0: hi everybody welcome to artifice episode 77 i have just one little bit of news um slash business today which is that this thursday so two days from today is the eighth birthday of my first album embark um that i wrote while i was in college and it's very magical um it's really different from masks, and it's super different from this new project that I'm working on that I'm not ready to tell you the name of, um, but, I'm, but I'm so proud of it. It's still, when I listen to it, it still feels like me, um, and I love it, love it, love it. So because it's the eighth birthday on October 8th, it's... Embark's like golden birthday. Um, I am running an 80% off sale for hard copies, hard signed copies of the CD. So if you'd like to get a hard copy um, signed with all of the typical goodies that I always send, which will include a handwritten note and some stickers and some other fun things, um, go to my website, which is emvocals.com and find Embark and to get it take it home for eighty percent off. Um to celebrate the eighth birthday on October eighth. Um it's very exciting. So that's that's the main thing. Um yeah, there's nothing else. Um so I guess I will get on with it then. Um today's episode is with cellist Walter Heyman who plays in the Utah Symphony. I loved talking with Walter um and we had like a sudden, uh, impromptu little catchphrase that you'll have to listen to and find out. And if I had the kind of resources to have all of the merch I could ever want, I might print a shirt with, uh, this little, our little, our little phrase. Um, anyway, I like it. It's a, it's, it's going to become a little artifice inside joke, I think maybe. So listen and find out. But for now, I will just tell you about my new friend, Walter. A native of Fresno, California, Walter Heyman started playing the bass in his public school. At age 13, he began playing the cello and has since performed throughout North America and Europe. Walter Heyman has played with the Chicago Symphony, the San Francisco Symphony, and is a former member of the Honolulu Symphony and has been a guest cellist for Pink Martini. In 2003, he joined the Utah Symphony and in 2008 was appointed principal cellist of the Grant Park Orchestra in Chicago, where he spends 10 weeks each summer. Mr. Heyman is also a member of the Montage Music Society in Santa Fe. Mr. Heyman participated in the Spoleto Festival in Italy from 1998 to 2001, where he was principal cellist of the Festival Orchestra, member of the Spoleto Festival String Quartet, and has appeared as a soloist with the orchestra. He has also performed at the Crested Butte Music Festival Biennale of Venice and received fellowships to the Aspen Music Festival and Tanglewood. During an artist residency at the Banff Center for the Arts, he formed a collaboration with dancer-choreographer Jose Navas as the Heyman-Navas project they spent the next two years performing throughout Europe, Canada, and the United States. In 2003, a documentary about the duo titled Perpetual Motion appeared on Bravo. In 2011, he again joined with Jose Navas for a collaboration on the music of Bach in Bruges, Belgium. Mr. Heyman is a graduate of the New England Conservatory and the San Francisco Conservatory where his main teachers were Laurence Lesser and Irene Sharp. And I'm going to try to find some links to the documentary Perpetual Motion to include in the show notes um, and in the blog post associated with um, this episode. So that's it, you guys. Um, Wish and bark a happy birthday by going to my website and getting yourself a signed hard copy um, at 80% off. And enjoy my conversation with Walter Heyman. Great art almost feels like magic, it opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Room to Sing Mask. As artists, so many of us use our voices for work, whether we're performing, teaching, or in rehearsal. And by now, we've all learned how incredibly difficult these things can be while wearing a mask. Luckily, there's a great solution. The Room to Sing mask is made by independent artists for independent artists, you can open your mouth nice and wide without the mask slipping off your nose, and you can inhale deeply without getting a mouthful of fabric. Head to www.roomtosingmask.com, select the size and fabric you want for any full-priced items, and enter promo code ARTIFICE15, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-5, for 15% off your purchase today. Yeah, I'm an introvert too. And I, I, that part of quarantine, I've totally loved like being alone. But I, I think the thing that has been difficult for me is feeling like I don't have a purpose. Like, mm. cause all my work has been canceled. Um, which like your work has well, largely been canceled as well, but it, you don't have your self-worth
1: attached to it sounds like <laughs> um, less and less. Yeah. The older I get. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's a very conscious. I guess that's um, fair. Awareness I'm... that came. Yeah. Uh, not all that long ago. Yeah. Really. Just well, the, the detachment of identity. Yeah. With being a cellist, being a musician, being an artist. Yeah. That yeah that's yeah. something I do uh-huh. rather than the entirety of right. what I am.
0: Well, we'll definitely talk about that. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like perfect stuff for this podcast. Yeah, that's I'm not, not interesting at all, right? Yeah, right? I'm not there yet. Like I, I'm 32 and I do think about it, but I also just like, I love it. I love like making things and I, I genuinely like enjoy being productive. And so for a couple of weeks there, you know, I would look at my calendar and just see nothing and hadn't yet kind of like figured out what can I feel productive about like during this time. Um, and that's when that's when I got a little glum. Mm-hmm. So I don't know I why. I totally understand that. Yeah, I don't remember why this came up. Oh, you were just asking like, whoa, I know what it was. You said you were doing well. And I said, I'm doing great, too. And I said, I was gonna say I've been a little depressed in like the last month. But for the past several weeks, I've been feeling like remotivated. Mm. So
1: what what's what's revo motivated you?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I think I started I started a new adjunct position at UVU. So I think that's definitely like uh-huh. one thing, like just getting out of my house one day a week, um, you know, having
1: and, others to think about
0: totally. yeah. and I <laughs> and I teach private students, you know, I've been teaching Zoom lessons um all summer. But I think just like, you know, being able to walk by, you know, my friend's office doors and say hi, because I, I know yeah. a lot of people that teach there. So I think that's maybe like one kind of symbolic thing. I, I'm only teaching like three hours a week up there. So it's hardly anything, but it still feels like something new. And then um, I just I, I just have been. I don't know, like, had a new kind of creative wave. So Mm. I feel like reinvigorated. Yeah, thanks. Um, Okay, so for this podcast, it's totally a conversation. So, just like we've already been doing, we can talk. Like, um, if you have, like, if you want to ask me what I think about something, it's totally fine. I think some people feel like they're not allowed to. (laughs) I will just talk about you mostly. Um, So, I always start with everybody by um, asking what you were like as a creative child. And you can talk about like what Hmm. you were doing or just like, what you remember feeling like as a child or what, you know, your parents or other adults in your life, like told you, you know, about what you were like as a child?
1: Um, I don't remember feeling necessarily like that. I was a creative person. I always thought I should be like, I thought that, Maybe I ought to be able to draw well, yeah. but I really didn't, yeah,, uh, or maybe uh, yeah, I don't know, I'd never I hadn't found my thing, yeah. I guess you could say for sure, well,
0: why do you think you felt like you like should be creative? What's that about? I don't know, yeah,
1: <laughs> I just always had yeah, I always had a um some kind of internal underlying idea or realization, I don't know which is is the truth of it, that there was something um, different or special about me. And granted, this is long before, you know, kids were told that you're special, you know, you get a ribbon just for participating. So there was something, I don't know, that I guess I just identified that there was something different. So maybe because I was different, that meant that I was special in some way. So I think I just kept kind of waiting for like, well, all right, I don't know what, Yeah. <laughs> what it is. you know, I
0: love this answer. I've never had another guest say something like that, but I felt like that as a child too. And I've, and, and part of the reason I like to ask this question is because I, I, I wonder a lot about that. Like, I think I, I was a lot the same way in that, in that I maybe didn't feel like i had a medium necessarily like a a specific medium Mm. but i definitely felt a little different i think i definitely had some kind of an idea that my brain was working in a little different way and had this feeling that like it was something art about it Mm. (laughs) like or something Mm. It, it is that how you felt like there was just something like you valued creativity I I like internally put those words to it. Yeah.
1: Um, that it had anything to do with creativity or yeah. self-expression. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think until I was, until I was much older, probably a teenager, did I realize, you know, once I eventually got to music and playing the cello, mm. which came
0: quite a bit later, quite late yeah.
1: for, compared to, to most, I was yeah. 13 until I started playing wow. cello. But, really quickly that became oh this is it this yeah. is my means of expression and this is who I am I'm yeah. I'm a cellist I'm a musician okay yeah. then, then like everything makes sense and yeah. and yeah
0: but you had a but as a sm- as a smaller child you had like a sense that there was like something like you should something. yeah you, I think you said like I should be creative um I think that's yeah. what you said. Yeah.
1: Isn't that weird?
0: Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm curious <laughs> about it. Like, like, did you see other create, did you see creative adults? Like, um, was it like a role model kind no. of a thing?
1: Maybe I'm the youngest of four kids. Okay. So, you know, the younger ones are always watching and learning from the older ones. Right. And we generally, pick things up more quickly just kind of some kind yeah. of osmosis you totally. know the other ones are doing it so well there's we like an expectation
0: yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah so I don't know maybe I just having that comparison to seeing what the older kids were doing I thought well I should be able to do that
0: yeah were they doing creative stuff like what, what were they doing
1: um a little bit. Uh my so my mom is uh she's a pianist and sings in our in our church choir. Okay, cool. Um so my older sisters played piano a little bit. So music was always, you know, kind of kind of around. Yeah. Um so I'd say that was probably the most creative okay. aspect yeah. in our house growing up.
0: Yeah. So there's this idea that like maybe playing an instrument is like something I might do someday.
1: No. No, okay. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> honestly, so, not.
0: Yeah, there's maybe just a thought of like I need it. I need a thing. Is that when is, I mean, you're saying your older siblings were because you you're doing a different thing, but like you're seeing them having activities and maybe feeling like I don't have a thing or or something else.
1: <laughs> honestly, I not, don't know. Not sure. I, okay, I, I really don't know. So,
0: but as a little kid, there was a feeling of like I should be doing something, but I'm but I'm not. I don't. Know uh, I don't know is. if
1: it was about doing something. But just just some sense that I didn't know who or what oh, I was. Okay. So I mean, that could be. Um, it might have nothing to do with this at all. It could just be simply being a gay kid sure. in yeah. a conservative, right? Southern Baptist upbringing, right, um, identifying probably more with what the girls around me were doing mm-hmm. than what the boys around me were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was confusing totally. as a kid, you know, why do I want to go play dress up with the girls yeah. instead of going out and playing flag football with the boys? Totally. I don't know, but I don't want to be out there. Right yeah. Now.
0: <laughs> do you think it was like, and I know it's, I know it's like impossible to think about our childhoods. Like, well, who knows what we were thinking back then, you know? Um, but do you think it maybe was like some kind of a gut instinct that you were going to have to like pave a path that maybe you hadn't really seen like other people doing? Because mm. that's, I think that's creative.
1: No, I don't think in my mind, I was thinking it was something that I needed to find. Yeah. It was something that was just supposed to happen.
2: Okay. It was supposed
1: to appear yeah. that. Cool that I, you know, from where I I don't know, but it was just supposed to happen magically. Yeah, It wasn't something that I needed to work at to find.
0: Just, yeah. You just had the sense that there was going to like, maybe there was going to be something or something. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when I'm talking about creativity, one of the reasons I like to start in childhood is because, you know, I think that creativity is so important. Um, and and I'd love for everyone to be doing it. Um, and plenty of adults don't do anything creative. So for those of us who've managed to prioritize creativity in our adult in our adulthoods, I'm curious about like how we did that. You know, like mm. so I'm looking for like things. Like I'm looking for like clues about how it happened or how it was possible. Just because I I think it's valuable to consider. Um, and and one of the things that I like to think about is like separating creativity from the arts, um, at least maybe as an exercise. And I like to ask people like, about whether you felt like your your mind was doing creative things or if you were thinking, like thinking creatively about people or consuming media maybe in like a way that maybe feels, felt creative. Um, so t- maybe before you started playing cello, do you have any thoughts about like, What was going on in your, like, inner creative development? Hmm. Maybe, like, such that you would be ready for cello, like, when it arrived in your life.
1: Wow, I'm I'm really not sure. I bet if my mom was here, she'd have <laughs> yeah. ten answers for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to talk I guess about I it. I've really never thought yeah. about that.
0: What like about the idea that like creative creative development is maybe like something that is happening separate from like our skills? Is that you've never thought? Of, that's what you're saying. You've never thought about?
1: Or or even just what, what were you I, doing as a child? Yeah. In in what ways I was creative? Yeah. Maybe maybe my creativity was in my imagination. Totally. Yeah. Um, in my mind and yeah. as opposed to something that I was actually like physically yeah. doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, I'm sure yeah, it was. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was. And and like I said, like thinking back about our childhoods is like maybe there's something there, maybe there's not. And the other thing that I find really frequently when I do these interviews, and, and this is I think I think this is my 77th interview. Mm. So, you know, I've talked with like a fair amount of artists. Like we're coming up on a hundred here. Nice. Um, it'll be an exciting, it'll be an exciting ah. feeling. Um, but uh, I I hear a lot of people like, you know, farther into the interview be like you know what so like if you think of anything let me know
3: it's gonna come it's gonna
0: come (laughs) um or like the other thing is like a lot of people will say things to me like well i played pretend a lot or like the way that Hmm. i was consuming like comic books i was like so in enveloped in like all the details um like you know i think sometimes our creative development is just in paying attention to music or paying attention to Mm. cartoons or whatever it may be. So if you have any thoughts about that, please tell me. Um, If you have thoughts now, you can tell me. I was going to
1: move on. I think maybe, I mean, as you said, playing pretend. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd say that was was the case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say one other thing. Um, When you were talking about like maybe, you know, being being gay in a family where like you didn't see um, or in a culture where you didn't see, I think for me, I I feel a similar way. Um, I'm not gay, but I was, I was like a, I'm kind of a scapegoat in my family. My, I have like, there's narcissism in the family on like both sides. And I think for me as a child, like that kind of feeling of like, I, I maybe should be doing something creative or maybe it wasn't a doing, but I think I had a feeling that there was Mm. something different and and uh and so i i i meant to validate that before of like i really think that is something if you as a child feel just different like if you feel mm. different in your family or different mm. in your culture i think that definitely can like prime some kind of a there's going to be a different thing for me
1: well if you're feeling different maybe what if you don't know what that is right that's the thing you're waiting for that's sure. the, the revelation, sure. the clue that you're waiting to fall in your lap. Well, right. then what, what am I? Who am I? What? I I don't understand this. So yeah. at some point, this is going to make sense. Yeah. But like, you, you at that, it, when you're so young, I mean, you have no idea yeah. what that would even totally be. So you can't even recognize that. Right. Oh, maybe when I hit puberty, I'll realize that I'm oh, attracted to boys sure. and not girls. Oh, right. that's what it's going to be. I mean, you know, it's not on your yeah. radar. It's not in your...
0: Well, <laughs> and, or and even yeah, you just don't even... Yeah, you just don't have, you don't have like vocabulary as a child to no. be like, or or even just like the emotional literacy to kind of like... But yeah, having a feeling that like, I haven't, I don't yet feel assimilated in some way, uh-huh. or like, I don't feel like I've kind of... Um, I think I think that's probably a pretty common story for a lot of creative people. A lot of people who've maintained creativity into adulthood.
1: Yeah. Well, and I guess if we think of just our, our human instinct to find where we belong, where our tribe is, yeah. who are who are my people? Sure. Who are you know, so we need to know where we fit in and where yeah. we belong. Yeah. So if we're kids and we're looking up And to the people around us, and we don't necessarily identify with any of them, if there isn't that role model, that we can say, oh, I don't know why, but that one, I like that one. That's what I'm drawn toward that, Mm -hmm. that person, whatever they're about. Yeah, I, I feel some kindredship with that. Yeah, and so and maybe that's that, waiting that to feeling feel that. of just kind of being in limbo.
0: Yeah, I fully, I fully understand and, and relate to that as well. Mm. Yeah, and I think I had a really similar experience in, in that way of like it taking a very long time until I knew adults that I thought that I would like to be like you. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I
0: get that. Okay, so can you tell me what happened? Like, how did you find the cello? Like, story, <laughs> tell me through it.
1: Um so no great um interesting story other than um so i I played piano just you know, like a little bit around the house, just yeah, you know, never took lessons or anything, yeah. but I had you know teeny little bit of musical background, yeah, and in fifth grade was when um we could sign up for orchestra, yeah, so we had this assembly where the orchestra directors, you know, showed us all the different instruments. Yeah. And so I decided I was going to sign up for orchestra and I chose to play the bass, Kay. probably just because it was the beir- biggest, yeah. weirdest looking thing yeah, up yeah, there yeah. on the stage. And I said, I want to play that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for the next few years, I was playing bass just, you know, in the elementary school orchestra, yeah. um, then got to junior high and then the orchestra teacher was a bass player. So then I did start taking some lessons with yeah. him but I got bored and I started noticing that the cello parts were really similar to the bass parts, but they had a few more notes to play. And so I just decided, well, I'm going to play the cello then. Yeah. Which he was not very happy about because I was the only bass player and he didn't want to lose me. (laughs) Yeah. So he, he said, "Well, okay, you can take a cello home, but you have to keep playing bass in <laughs> the orchestra."
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I've had so, so many of my guests that are musicians have similar stories. Yeah. Like they their orchestra director or band director like yeah. really wanted them on one instrument and they mm-hmm. were like, "But I want to play yeah. this one." Yeah, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Um, I think that's really common. You're the desperate like middle school orchestra teacher is like but please I need a flautist oh
1: too many flutes we need an oboe right 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 bassoon come on
0: (laughs) um so okay so let's talk about these bass years for just a second um during the time that you were playing bass were you moved by the music like do you remember having feelings about that
1: hmm Not much. Yeah. No, I think it was more just something that I did. Yeah. I took to it pretty easily. Yeah. Um. But feeling moved by it. I, I, no, I wouldn't say.
0: That was something that came later. That,
1: that that I did.
0: How did you feel about, like, I've never played a string instrument. I play piano and I sing. um, But I love hearing string instruments. And I think even as a little kid, I would hear, you know, a violin part in a, in a movie score um and just like the i don't know like without ever even having actually felt it i imagine that like the feeling of like that resonance Mm. in like this wooden body Mm -hmm. it is a compelling feeling Mm. and especially for bass i can imagine that being like like big did you have any feelings about the actual like physicality of the instrument
1: more with the cello okay yeah because the bass is is so big yeah and you're really just standing you know you're standing behind or, or next to it versus the right. cello where it's you're right really in, you're hugging wrapped, it yeah you know, more around it so i'd say the cello um yes there is absolutely a, a physical yeah. element of it
0: sure okay so so that nothing really happened while you're playing bass like there was nothing there was no like Kind of sparkle in th- those years before you switched to cello.
1: Um, well, yeah. I guess just that I knew that I liked doing it. Yeah, um, I seemed to be pretty good at it. Yeah. Um,
0: can you can you articulate like what like what what did you like about it? Like what what is that what did, what did you like?
1: Wow, what did I like? I you know at the beginning maybe it was just the attention. Totally. You know, when you're good at something and and people start praising you as a child, um, that's pretty good feeling. Yeah, So you think, okay, well I'll I'll stick with this. (laughs)
0: Totally. You know, I talk again, like I talk with so many artists and I ask this question a lot, like, like, um, were you getting validation? And like, what did that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people get really awkward about that question. Cause they, mm. they feel like, well, it's not about validation. And it's like, well, when you're 10, it is, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Like when you're 10, it totally of is. So, so yeah, when you were saying, you know, you're good at it and you liked it, I was kind of wondering, like, is the, th- is the thing about it? Like, I'm good at this? Like, yeah. so yeah. yeah so yeah. some of that, did you like playing, did you like, um, the fact that like the orchestra takes all of these individuals? Like, was that something that was interesting to you?
1: I mean, that wasn't in my consciousness at at the time at that age.
0: Yeah. I started singing in like a community choir when I was, I think like eight or nine. And I remember feeling like that. Like I, they, they put me on alto. And so, you know, as a pretty little kid, I was learning to like harmonize and not sing the melody. And I remember as as like, like a, like an eight-year-old, like a small child feeling like this is really amazing. Like I'm singing this and they're singing that Mm. and like kind of having Mm. that experience. Like I've watched a lot of my students not have this experience and I'm always like, no one had to teach me to do this. So how do I teach you to do it? I don't Mm. know. Mm. But having this experience of like being aware of what you're doing and then like hearing the whole sound like externally, Mm -hmm. And I remember just, I have like a specific memory of like being in maybe the first or second rehearsal of this little group that was auditioned. So it was, it was like a pretty good little choir, Company G, that's what we were called. (laughs) Um, And I I remember just like being in the group and just kind of like looking over and kind of feeling Mm. like this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So that was not something that was like, I'm sure you feel that now. Yeah, until
1: high school, like going to... All state orchestra, yeah. California, all state orchestra. And just being like, wow, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Totally. Yeah. So not, not until later okay. for me.
0: Okay. So it just, it at the beginning, it was kind of like, I'm good at this. And like, I'm getting some validation from adults. Um, okay. And then, yeah. So you, you noticed the cello parts were interesting. So you are at least aware, like, are the cellos? The cellos are right in front of you. Mm-hmm, typically, yeah. Yeah, I have a jazz degree, so I'm a little bit more like familiar with a band setup. No worries. But...
1: <laughs> um, I'm so... plenty familiar with orchestra for both of us. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay
0: <laughs> great. I'm aware that bassoon is an instrument. No, I had a one of my roommates in college was an oboist, so, so I, you know.
1: You know. I know some you know. things. And yeah.
0: my, my father-in-law's a clarinetist too. He plays in the Salt Lake Symphony.
1: Oh, nice. Um,
0: Okay, so you noticed that the cello parts were interesting and then started playing cello. So tell me tell me more. Like you took the cello home. Um, What was that like? Like kind of just like getting to know the instrument like in your own space?
1: Yeah, well, at first it was a little awkward because I was trying to play it like a bass and sure. it's a smaller <laughs> instrument and it doesn't need as much... Um
0: pressure force and yeah.
1: exertion as as at least as I was putting on the bass, yeah, yeah. so and I think I was trying to get just as like as broad and deep a sound out of it sure. as I was getting out of the bass, sure. and so I was just simply overplaying the yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, 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 <laughs> so yeah, t- tell me more, like, um, I'd love to know like how you felt about the instrument, like what sounds it could make, like you know, just what kind of feelings you had about like the instrument and then maybe just like how your orchestra experience like started to change.
3: Mm.
1: Well, it was, so it was junior high when I, when I made the, the change to cello and shortly after, then I auditioned for one of the youth orchestras. Okay. And really not knowing, like, I don't know, do I even play this well enough yet to even get in? Yeah. And not only did I get in, but they put me first chair. Yeah. Which, you know, when you're a kid, yeah. first chair, you know, it's like this big thing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was like that first yeah moment where I thought like, okay, I'm not just like, okay at this. Yeah. I'm actually be pretty darn good yeah. at it.
0: What were you good at? Like, wh- like, was it like, Was it, was it like instrument specific things like bowing or was it like Mm -mm. rhythm tuning? No, because I
1: had no idea about technique whatsoever. So it was like
0: just music things.
1: I think it was just music things. Yeah. Just growing up um, with music around, singing in church. Yeah. I I don't know. There was something very natural about it. So it was really just a matter of getting something in my hands Yeah, and I was going to be you know, that was going to come out in some way. So whether right. it was the bass, the cello, the bassoon, yeah. who knows? I'd, I don't think that would have mattered.
0: Um, how did it feel to you to like have that kind of affinity, like to kind of be like, this is natural for me. Like I, like music feels like a natural thing.
1: Well, I guess it must have felt... there was an ease to it yeah. it wasn't a struggle for me and so i think that allowed me to um i mean i never looked at it as a chore like practicing was a chore yeah i loved it yeah 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 um i wish i knew earlier how to practice well <laughs> but isn't that a thing that. yeah yeah um so yeah i guess it it just made it it made it easy for me to just push, push forward and keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I interviewed a guitar player last week and she and I talked like in depth about practice and Mm. like what our experiences were like with that as Mm. a child. Do you want to say anything about it? Like just that practice never felt like work even as a, even as a kid.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't have, teachers early on who instilled much, um, work ethic or, or like practice, like, here's how you practice, you know, you take, play your scales and etudes and things like that. So by the time I got to, to actually taking cello lessons, I mean, I could get around the instrument pretty well. So, um, I skipped a lot of the foundational basics, which unfortunately had to be made up later in life. Isn't that, yeah. when I look back on it, it was really a blessing that I went with this teacher because had she just said, okay, listen, kid, we got to work on some yeah, basics here. I would have been bored and I probably wouldn't have kept going with it, mm. but because she just threw music in front of me, like yeah. your box suites and, and concertos. And I thought, all right, well, let's, let's go then. And so yeah. I just worked my way through and yeah. figured out how to make it work. Yeah. Uh, to a certain that's such an, <laughs> degree of that, success.
0: Yeah, that's such an interesting point. I, um, I, as a, do you ever teach children? Do you have, mm-hmm. you have yeah. As a teacher, I struggle with that a lot. And I think for mm. voice, it's especially tricky because everyone is familiar with this instrument. Mm. You know, like if you pick up a trumpet you might mm. literally not be able to make sound without mm-hmm. someone teaching you the fundamentals, mm-hmm. but everyone talks mm-hmm. and everyone sings. Right. And I and I really struggle as a teacher with knowing like when to do fundament, fundamentals, when to mm. teach fundamentals because a lot of a lot of students they they can't start with it. But then it's like uh, you know, it's a real it's a real push and pull with that yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. And that's where we have to know for each student, what's going to be, what are going to be the keys and the tools for, for them? How can I keep them interested? Totally. Um, How does their mind work? Are they just purely analytical? In which case, great etudes it is. Or do they just get bored with that? And, you know, you have to find more creative Things. Yeah. You have to
0: kind of make it like whimsical.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I I feel that as a teacher as well and, and have learned to kind of, you know, it's always a struggle because it's so, it, it's so individual. Mm. And so with, you know, I don't know if this is your experience, but for me, like there are some students where I know right away, I'm like, I know what you need. Mm-hmm. I know like what's going to work for you. I mm-hmm. know how to talk to you. And there are some students where it takes six months mm. to, for me to kind of be like, I know how to talk to you. I know what kinds of things will inspire you. And, you know, pl- some students never make it that long. You mm-hmm. know, they yeah. they quit before then. So I don't kind of get the privilege of finding that place. Um, and this, this fact of this individuality, like because I'm intimately aware of it as a teacher, it's one of the reasons why I love talking about childhood with adult creatives because I'd love for more of us to talk about the ways that we're totally different, you mm. know, and to kind of illuminate that. And like, this is what worked for me. So that I don't know, maybe anyone listening or, or me or you um, can kind of go like, Oh, that's a thing. And then I'll think about it. You know, n- since I started doing this podcast, I'll think of different things when I hear my students, you know, my students will say something that I'll think, Oh, Walter said something like that, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. it's it's really like, I think it's kind of, I think human individuality is like such a, is such a wondrous thing. Like I feel in wonder about it.
1: Um, It is. And yet when you boil it down, we're actually so similar. It's true. On, on just like the fundamental levels, like the, the the little things are, are what makes us different, Yeah. but the big things, we're so similar. We're so much the same.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. But yeah, just those, those little things though, I think they are like. There's such flavor. Yes, you know? exactly. Oh, I, right. I'm right, so fascinated right. by it.
1: That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. We all may be a chicken thigh, but we've all yeah, got different yeah, seasoning Yeah, on different yeah, yeah, different
0: spices. We all may be a chicken thigh. That is, a, that's a t-shirt.
1: That's like something. Oh, please no. I never said it.
0: <laughs> I never said it. I feel like that also is a t-shirt. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah. So you're, you're, um, you're enjoying the fact that it's just easy, that like you're that uh, adults around you are saying like, hey, you're really, really good at this. Um, when you got into that youth orchestra, oh, go ahead.
1: I, you know, it just occurred to me, I think there's another aspect of it, which is to finding a peer group. Yeah. So I, not being um, on a sports team yes. or uh, anything else like that, but finding a group of kids my own age that yeah. I was doing, that we this was a similar interest. Yes. I'd say that was definitely... Um, a motivator for me totally. so that every Saturday morning I looked forward to going yeah. to youth orchestra rehearsal with these other kids because it was something that we had in common yeah. so I guess even though I wasn't aware of it at the time looking back I'm sure that was a big aspect of it definitely like okay here's my tribe these like, are my this people is what I've been waiting for
0: and that's so adjacent to that thing we were talking about before of like seeing adults that you kind of feel like I could be like you, Mm. like I can see myself like that. And then having peers where it's not, you don't have to work hard to try to find common ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really relate to that Mm. as well. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like this just, there's an ease here. Like that's so valuable, especially if you're an introvert, especially if you don't feel like that, with everybody you know like um yeah yeah. if you're if you're like a non-dominant type of personality because i think sometimes people that are really dominant they don't know if the person they're talking to doesn't feel like them
1: Mm. you know yeah
0: but you being the person that's going like "Uh uh-huh yeah is like this is not yeah (laughs) comfortable for me (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah like being with kind of like mild like like um attentive children like you know, every Saturday I can totally see that feeling like this is a, this is a home Mm. as a singer. It's maybe a bit of a different experience because singers can be very boisterous. Um, (laughs) I mean, orchestra can too, but, but I think it's generally like a bit less zany, but maybe (laughs) maybe that's just how I feel like theater and choir share, like theater and choir overlap sure. and orchestra and choir overlap but theater and orchestra don't overlap <laughs> that's true <laughs> so maybe that's kind of what I'm <laughs> what I'm thinking <laughs> what were um, were you, you going to say something else about your experience in the in the orchestra
1: uh, well just that um, i think that as a kid as a person in general even still i'm sensitive yeah. to to people's emotions to people's states that that are around me yeah and I think I always picked up on that Mm -hmm. and so you know that whether you call it you know a vibrational wavelength or you know whatever it is when you get in a room with people that are on that same wavelength that's when you really feel like oh this is where I belong like I'm home these are these are my people this is my tribe
0: totally totally amen I feel that as well uh, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's that it, that's that same thing of like being a small child and feeling a little different, like mm. just feeling like the mm. other people that are around me, like they, they, there's a different, cause I think I'm also sensitive and I also often prefer like, uh, like a kind of lower energy, like a, mm. like a sweeter energy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I come from a family of like very extroverted people. Hmm. So, you know, narcissism aside, like (laughs) there was probably some stuff that I was like, this is not, Mm. (laughs) this is not comfy. Yeah. 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 And, and, and music, you know, aside from like the part of choir that overlaps with theater, which I have like maybe a bit of that as well. Um, (laughs) But like, I definitely am more comfortable on like a very cerebral, like very kind of like, inner emotion. Like, I like to kind of get, like, lost in it. Mm -hmm. That feels really nice. And I like choir for that reason. And I can imagine liking orchestra for that reason. Like, I am one piece in this big thing, and I can sort of, like, submit to, like, this group experience. And just, like, you know, it's very present Mm -hmm. in a way that is really relaxing to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And I can also see how... I mean, thinking of, you know, the orchestra kids and theater kids. I think what what we do as musicians, we really are actors. Yeah. When When we go on stage, you know, we're reciting someone else's lines. Right. I didn't write it. Someone else wrote it. It's my job to say it. Right. My voice happens to be the cello. Right. But we take on these roles, whether we're playing Bach, Beethoven, Dvorak, Chopin, whatever it is, those are different roles that we're taking on. So I think there is, in a certain way, a similarity to acting, whether it's, you know, just delivering a monologue or whether you're one person in the whole play and you're listening to other dialogue and you're you're conversing. I think there's a certain aspect in which, and maybe that's more true of just chamber music, yeah. Um, but certainly in the orchestra, that's it's just chamber music on a big scale. Yeah. There's a lot of back and forth conversation yeah. that happens all around us. And I think of the same thing uh, with actors. And you can yeah. tell when someone's just waiting for their line to come. Right. And they say their line. Right. Without any reaction right. to what came before it, totally. what prompted that line to even exist
0: yes I, yeah I think that's what I was trying to say like getting lost in this like like this thing where we all have to be very present we all have to be like fully committed um you 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 almost have to it's a weird thing where like you almost have to surrender in your an individuality in order for like this whole thing to exist. Um, but you have to like take on a different kind of individuality that maybe is a lot more like you're saying, you know, if you're playing something really robust, like maybe you come in in like a very calm, sleepy mood, but you have to like take on, you know, this really assertive, like aggressive, passionate mm-hmm. kind of a feeling or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that sometimes feels like a big relief to me because it's my job to like leave whatever I was dealing with mm. and, and contribute like whatever is called upon for like this piece and which I really
1: enjoy. And that was a realization really early on for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lucky you. Yeah. Cause it didn't come for me until <laughs> way, way later.
0: It's so funny though. Again, like we're both musicians, albeit like different kinds, but we're both in the same, you know, overall medium Um, And I've interviewed a ton of musicians, but still the things that make us, you know, the things that we initially had an affinity for are always different which mm. is just, it's amazing. Mm. Like it's, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm trying, I'm asking, like, is it about like reading music? Is it about playing in a group? Is it about like watching a director and like the beautiful feeling of that? Is it about like holding the actual instrument? Is mm. it about feeling the bow? Mm. Cause I think all, you know, every cellist who becomes a professional cellist probably has a slightly different
1: mm-hmm. thing. Right. You know, yeah, what you all attracted end up, them in the beginning.
0: Right. Yeah. And and which things immediately made sense and which mm-hmm. things did you have to kind of fight for yeah,
1: later? Yeah, really work at and develop. Yeah. Right, right.
0: Do you want to tell me about that? So from the time you joined the Youth Orchestra to the time you were like going to college for music, what was the process
1: like? Mm. Well, when I was a senior in high school, so I gr- I grew up in Fresno, California, okay. which is dry where, yeah. Central Valley.
0: I know where Fresno is. I think of
1: like... I don't know, Oklahoma yeah. or something. Don't think of yeah. beaches and sunny, you know, <laughs> it's not beautiful the, It's weather, not the California. coast, yeah. It's a little different.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's more but, like Arizona, right? Like it's kind of deserty.
1: It is pretty, pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty dry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my senior year of high school, I had started taking lessons with a teacher in San Francisco. Your
0: senior year of high school. That was when you first
1: started? No, writing? no, no, no. I had I had started lessons earlier. Oh, I think okay. I was like, grade. how There's, did you pull that off? No, no, no. Eighth grade, okay. I had started okay. cello lessons.
0: I was like, how did you get into think, college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was about to be like very impressed. Like what? Yeah, I would be you too. You didn't start lessons until you were a senior? Oh my gosh. Okay, but no, cuz so he, it wasn't that you started taking lessons, you just started with a new teacher. Yes, yes. Continue. Um,
1: and she was in San Francisco and also taught at the San Francisco Conservatory. Oh, okay. So during that year, that senior year of taking lessons with her, um at some point she just offered know, if I wanted a spot at the conservatory. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so that was that, that was yeah. me getting into college and I didn't yeah. go around and take auditions or anything. I mean, I really didn't know much.
0: Had you already decided you wanted to major in music? Oh yeah. Okay. Wh- tell me about that. How did you?
1: Oh, make- really simple. I wasn't good at anything else.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did like your parents feel about it?
1: They were really supportive. My father is Um, I mean, he just looked at the practical side of it, you know, well, surely you also need a teaching credential, you know, something to fall back on, which is very practical. Of -hmm. of course, Mm -hmm. I can't blame him at all for thinking that way. But, you know, of course I was, what are you talking about? Of course I'm going to make it.
0: (laughs) What do you think about that now? Like, how do, how, how do you feel about like young people choosing the arts? I mean, obviously we want it to happen, but beyond yeah. that, how do you feel about
1: it? I mean, there's that famous quote, I think it's from Nadia Boulanger when she was asked and said, if you can, th- someone asked her that question Yeah, and she said, if you can think of doing anything else, you should.
0: Yeah. It, so many of my guests say that quote, because I think it's something we all, like. we all think about it. We yeah. all think about, but yeah. I, but I, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I think about this question a lot. I like a lot of things and I feel like I I was good at a lot of things. Um, Sports was not one of those
3: things, (laughs) but
0: I was good at math and I like really loved English. And I thought, you know, maybe I could go to law school or I think there probably like is a version of me that could have really enjoyed like biology, Mm. you know, or like working in a lab and like doing things. But I think for me, the thing that I can't imagine not doing is being creative Mm. I don't think for me it had to be music. I don't think it even necessarily had to be art, you know, like an art. But I think like I, that's why I think like maybe I would have liked some kind of a science because that's can be very creative too.
1: Yeah. And it's about discovery. So are discovery and creativity, are they in the the same category together? These
0: are my favorite questions of all time. (laughs) I feel like they are. Mm. Like, I feel like that's what the creative process feels like to me. Like this kind of like unraveling of, Mm -hmm. of a, of a, of a discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I I was talking about this with that guitarist that I interviewed last week as well, just about what create, what the feeling of creativity is and Mm. the things that spark it that aren't art. (laughs) Like the times that you feel it that aren't that. Um, And I definitely feel it. I definitely also feel it like about science things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. nature, like the world, like yeah. I'm not creating it, but it certainly feels like it's adjacent to creativity.
1: Well, I mean, there's another word for the world, which is creation. Right. Right. So right. if this is this created thing yeah. Yeah. and we're discovering all the little details yes. about that creation, how this whole planet, how this how whole it works. world yeah. works. Yeah. It's yeah. very similar to like
0: what is this like accent doing for this phrase, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's a s- totally similar yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, okay. So during during the years that you were really getting better at cello, is there anything that you want to say about what it felt like to to learn how to um, take on challenges, to learn how to develop creative resilience? Like, are there any things that that you felt were really critical in those years?
1: Mm. I definitely knew nothing of creative resilience at that time. <laughs> um, I guess it was, for me, a lot of it was about how things felt easier. Yeah. So not having a great technical foundation and then getting with a teacher who was unlocking these things for me, then it became, oh, I can do this. You just yeah. do it like that. Oh, great. Yeah. So it, it was just kind of like this unlocking of the the expression that was already in me, just, yeah. you know, trying to get out and now actually having the right tools, you know, the right paintbrushes and the right yeah. palette, you know, to be right. able to do it. Totally. Whereas before I was just, you know, grabbing a stick off the ground totally. and trying to stir some mud and, and, you know, paint something out of that.
0: Yes. I fully understand. For me, I didn't have my, t- my technique figured out until I was like in my master's degree. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, cause I was better at all those other things, like really feeling the gr- like I was a great group performer mm-hmm. from a, such a young age. And that's something that I think a lot of people learn later. And mm-hmm. then my technique was like a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, f- I relate to that as well. Like now I can finally sing things the way that I like mm-hmm. can conceive of them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one final question about pre-college. Um, d- did you, what did it mean to like your identity to feel like I'm excellent at this or like, how did it feel to be like,
1: I'm, I'm a cellist. It was everything Yeah. that that became my identity completely. Yeah. 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 Because I think again, getting back to the being gay. Yeah. I did not want that to be, I- anything like yeah. even discussed like please can we just not even look at that yeah. what, are you like that i play cello okay let's just look at that yeah, I- yeah i'm yeah. just a cellist right great okay
0: yeah <laughs> that's and who you, i can be <laughs> you can i ask like you weren't out then oh, no. yeah i mean it was no, like no, such a totally different time n- n- i mean it's still and, still and now. even but... to myself yeah i mean okay. i was
1: absolutely fighting it okay mm-hmm. okay
0: okay yeah so yeah just having something to ride your identity on mm-hmm. that was anything other than who are we dating and mm-hmm. yeah it makes perfect sense so you went to san francisco right yeah mm-hmm. you went to uh, and tell and then tell me about that what was important during that time
1: um wow 17 moved from fresno to san francisco that's a big one that was a big one yeah yeah um So, of course, it became immediately very easy to be gay and to not be ostracized uh, for it. I mean, where in the world could you feel more comfortable being gay than in San Francisco? So that was great in a certain sense because it instantly let me drop that guard. Totally. But, of course, any time I was back in Fresno with my family, with my friends, then... The wall in, went right back up. Back in the closet. Because I was yeah. not going to, that was not going to be discussed at all. Yeah. So in the end, it's a, it's a good yeah. thing. But, yeah. but even then at that time, I still carried a lot of shame yeah. and guilt yeah. about yeah. it for sure. Totally. Um, musically, um, I just felt like I was, like I was where I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to do. And, yeah. um, yeah. It was great. Yeah. I mean, those years were, were great.
0: Um, it, what was like your favorite thing about it? Like, do do you remember like anything about like, can you describe like what that, what that feeling was?
1: Honestly, I think at that point it was still about validation. Yeah. Just that I'm good at this. Yeah. You, you like this, you like me. Yeah. That's how I would equate it. Sure. You know, if you like yeah. the way I play the cello, then you yeah. must like me. And I honestly, I think that was really the biggest part of it at that point. Oh my gosh. It's still needing that validation of who I was. Well, it's (laughs)
0: fully understandable. And also it's so interesting. Um, um, can I ask, like, had you yet started feeling any way about music, like having feelings about music Mm -hmm. versus like the fact that you're good at it? Mm -hmm. Well,
1: I guess I should back up music from, from the earliest age was hymns from church. And there are definitely the hymns that, you know, would give me the shivers and, you know, give you the, give you the feelings and and still are. So it's not like I never felt music. I I certainly did feel the power of music and of a great performance. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I guess finding an instrument that allowed me to sure. produce that myself yeah. as opposed to just listening to someone else do it. Yeah. I think that was the catch for okay. me. was, okay, now I can participate yeah. in that and I can actually do it myself.
0: Yeah, I use the word ownership for this phenomenon. Hmm. Like feeling like I can create this like Mm. something that moves, like Mm. I can create something that could have the same kind of power as the things that affect Mm -hmm. that move me. Um, do you find as a teacher that like, do you have any, um, do you have any like advice or thoughts about how to, um, get like trigger that sense of ownership and like, um, like not accountability, but like, like actionability. Mm. Is that I struggle a lot with that with with my teaching.
1: I think, just on a on the just like the most basic foundational level with beginners, I always want them to hear and feel the mm-hmm. sensation of yeah. what we agree on is good. Yeah. So if I tell them, move the bow parallel to the bridge, that makes the best sound. Yeah. I don't want them to just do that and take my word for right. it. Were- I want to, okay, let's hear what it sounds like with right. a crooked bow. And let's hear right. what it feels like when, when we're moving crooked. Yeah. Okay, now let's do this other way. Do you hear the difference? Yeah. Do you feel that? So right from the beginning, yeah. it's not just copycat, right. you know, just, okay, do what I do. It's, can you, can you hear this? Yeah. Can you understand why we're going to do it? Do this you ever way? Have,
0: Do you ever have students who A, don't hear it or B, hear it and don't care?
1: Yes. And yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I have experienced that so often. Yeah. And I do think singing is a little different because of what I said before, like every little, everyone wants to sing, um, where like, I think for a child to say like, I want to play the cello that probably means something a little different about what that child is actually interested in
1: mm. where,
0: you know, a child could be interested in singing and not be interested in music mm. because of American Idol and, You know, Mm, like nowadays I I feel like singing is like sometimes children who are interested in singing are interested in fame. Showbiz. And they don't care about music. Right. So I might have a higher like percentage of students that truly just, but Mm -hmm. it's something that I, I feel heartbroken about it. Like in those moments where like, you know. I'll get the student to like sing with a, in a way that moves me. Mm. And then I'm like, Oh, that was so beautiful. Did you feel that? And they just like, do not care. Mm. And then maybe I don't hear it again for like months, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I was wondering if since that was like, since that was such an important light bulb for you, if you have yeah. insight about it.
1: <laughs> um, I've definitely encountered both types of students, just as you're yeah. describing. <laughs> um, makes me
0: so sad.
1: Yeah. And, and one of the, one of the places I teach is at the um, U of U. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, not at the U of U, Utah State. Okay, okay, Logan. okay. Oh, these, I do these it U's. too. I mean, I teach like, at
0: UVU and I say like the U, and then I'm like, no, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I do it every time. I have to stop and think, okay, hey, where, where am I? Where do Logan? I teach? That is the... <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, sorry, yeah. scratch that. Utah State, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I teach a, a course on uh, four cellists on orchestral auditions. Okay. So just focusing on the repertoire. Uh, for orchestra auditions, yeah. which really ends up being technique class. Yeah. Because each excerpt is designed to showcase a certain, um, technical Facility, ability. Yeah. All the while understanding the particular composers style and having something to say uh, right. about it. But it right. really boils down to a lot of it is just technique. Sure. And, um, and, I, and this is where I see the students that are already at that college level. And I see the varying degrees of just what you were saying. The yeah. ones who maybe they just, they won't be able to do it. Yeah. Like just, they won't, they can't, they won't get it. Yeah. it. It just won't, it won't happen for them. Yeah. And the other that totally can do it, yeah. they're just, they're not present with it. Yeah. And they're just letting stuff Happen Ugh. because they've just turned their ear off. I don't yeah. know where they are, yeah. but they're just kind of going through motions and not being specific. Yes. And so my job is to help them to, okay, just be careful as you go. Take care about what you're playing. And then it's like instantly better. I'll mm-hmm. say, well, now see, that was so great. Why didn't yeah. you do that the first time? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They don't know. They're, and
0: And Uh, I don't know
1: whether that's something at that point. Yeah. That's, they already are how they are. Yeah. Versus at a younger age, you know, I think you're better able to instill.
0: I sure try. I use the same verbs though. I say, take care of it. Like, Mm. I use that same, when you said that, I felt like, Mm. because I I use the same, like, take care of the lyric. Like, Mm. take care of this phrase. Like, take care of your cutoff mm. um and yeah see, and it, yeah having that experience of witnessing a student who can do it but like won't mm. Uh, mm. there's nothing that like is more of a bummer to me as a teacher um, yeah. like where is that thing that happened last week like because i I loved it like it moved me can i have more please yeah Uh, and i can't relate to that because you know when i had that discovery as a child like it was everything i never wanted to do anything else oh yeah so i I, yeah yeah, that's and i i think i wonder sometimes if i'm I'm not great at teaching that because i didn't have to learn it Hmm. you know like I, i sometimes feel like the stuff that we as individuals didn't struggle with is hardest to teach Mm-hmm. It feels like that to me. And that's something that was really intuitive for me. That's probably true.
1: Yeah. yeah the things that we really had to go through the weeds to, to work out. Um, that's probably what we're the best.
0: Best at teaching. At. Yeah. I, I think so. But
1: I don't know. I mean, it's going to be different for everyone, yeah. of course. Well, I sure but...
0: try, but I'm, I'm looking, I, I know I haven't found like the, the golden ticket for like a, uh, how to help Unlock that because yeah. it, it baffles me that it's even an issue. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around it.
1: <laughs> well, and that'll be. I mean, we all have our lifelong yeah. pursuits, things that will never, well, there this, will never be the. Okay, now I've got it.
0: Totally, this helps. <laughs> and, and if anyone listens to the back catalog, they'll hear me asking my guests about ownership a lot. Which mm. is that's the word that I use for that. Hmm. Um, okay, I mean, okay. So let's let's say this now. This podcast is called Artifice. Because I, it has the word art at the beginning and it's a cool word. And because I really believe that each of us who, you know, as I say, have managed to maintain creativity into adulthood, we have private um, truths and wisdom and like experiences that maybe we don't even think about but that are so valuable, um, the, the types of things that the types of lessons we've had to learn to do what we do, the types of things that we still struggle with that nobody would guess, but that Mm. like, if anybody knew, they'd be like, really? And maybe would have (laughs) a feeling about that. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested in the kind of behind the scenes of like, how did you get here and how do you do it? Um, and I think we find a lot of these things just by talking through them, even if it's not like a direct question, but, um, but if I, I'd love to have your help focusing, like knowing where to focus on your, your career about where that kind of stuff, like where those important things are happening. I know it's like a very large question.
1: Um, well, I guess I'd have to talk then about Auditions. Okay. Like let's, taking, let's taking do an audition it. for yeah. an orchestra. Because um, I managed to get through a master's degree at New England Conservatory without any clue of what it would yeah. be like to take an orchestra audition.
0: And, and you went straight, just for like chronology, you went straight from San Francisco to New England to mm-hmm. the New England. Yeah, so I did
1: undergrad at San Francisco Conservatory and. Okay. Uh, grad grad school at New England and
0: then you were like free in the world Mm -hmm. and didn't know how to audition no okay I'd love to hear about it
1: so I went to a couple um well let me back up a little further Sure, please an audition happens when a member of the orchestra retires dies quits <laughs> yeah. something There right. has to be a vacancy for there to be an audition.
0: Right. And I then don't think I knew that.
1: Each orchestra will put an ad in the trade paper, which is called the International Musician, um, uh, announcing an, an, an opening, a vacancy. Yeah. yeah. Then every unemployed cellist or oboist or oh whoever yeah. um sends in their resume. Um, most often those resumes are screened down to a certain number. Those people are invited. Everyone has the same audition list to prepare. Cool. There's a preliminary round. Yeah. Then, you know, the most cuts are made there. And then there's a semifinal round. Then there's a final round where the music director is there. It all takes place behind a screen. Right. It's just, it's the most bizarre thing.
0: It's, It's unlike any actual music making. That you do. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. You have no connection to anyone else other than you just trust that there's somebody there behind that yeah. screen yeah. listening to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I did a couple of auditions and got absolutely nowhere. Yeah. Just cut from, from prelims. Never, wasn't, wasn't advancing. Yeah. Um, and I would get, started to get really nervous. And yeah, I just had no idea what I was doing. And then a friend of mine who um, was doing (laughs) well (laughs) Um, put me in contact with a person that had really helped her. And it was a violinist from the San Francisco Symphony named Zoya Laban. And I went and took a couple of lessons with her. And she just had this great way of laying it out. Look, this is what this is about. This is what each of these excerpts are meant to do. You record yourself, you rate yourself in these, you know, specific categories. And when you're consistently eight or, or, t- or eight above, to ten yeah. in each one, you're ready. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh, okay, now yeah. I have a system. Now I have right. something to do. I don't just go and just sit down and just start practicing. And I have to say, that was the first lesson in how to practice that Mm -hmm. I ever got Mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. How to practice. When you go in that practice room, what do you do? What are you doing?
0: Yeah. Um how how what were some of the parameters? Some of the
1: Um Yeah, so the categories are um pitch, intonation, rhythm, articulation.
0: Yeah. So for the listener, articulation is like where you put little or pauses or yeah okay sure um sure. does it yeah. have
1: a hard accent on it or does it have a soft beginning to it articulation yeah, right. yeah yeah um what else dynamics um and then there's the the other category of i mean you can call it whatever you want just musicality musicality or affect it, yeah. yeah something something like that does
0: yeah. it is does it move? Yeah. Does it compel? Are you
1: saying something? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Artistry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
0: That's the that's that's so helpful to think about it like that. Yeah. To give yourself kind of, it's
1: a rubric. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so the first few times that I would record myself, I was just horrified at what I heard. Yeah. I couldn't believe that was me. That yeah. I sounded that bad. <gasps> but it's amazing how recording ourselves it, it is the greatest tool mm-hmm. we just we hear everything yeah. because as we all know we are our own worst critics right so right, if right. we could be happy with how we are playing good chance know, other s- people are going to be pretty okay with it i say too. the same
0: thing to my students all the time like mm. and and it's also for singer i mean for singers i think especially video too like if mm-hmm. or if you can stand in front of a mirror and like the performance that you're giving, it, you're, that's you're probably good, mm-hmm. you're probably ready to go. Unless yeah. you're delusional, which sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I think that's so true. Like, and I and another thing that I say to my students a lot is like, when what you're here, when when uh when you're no longer surprised by recordings, that's mm. when you know that your ears are like in real time. Yes.
1: Doing what you want them to do. Right. That you're present with it. Yeah. As opposed to we're playing or singing and we're just kind of in our mind, we're hearing that recording and we're just kind of playing along with that. Right. As opposed to really, really hearing everything that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we hear ourselves once from a recording, our ears just switch on instantly. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable the progress that we'll make just by that one thing, by recording ourselves, listening critically. Yeah. And then we know exactly what we need to do.
0: Yeah. 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 And when you can... Or at least
1: we have a really good idea of much of what we need to do. (laughs) Totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, the the stuff that's left is stuff that's kind of uh, subjective. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like the stuff that you can't tell is maybe like a little bit like should I? Like maybe it's kind of the stuff that's like, what would the conductor want or something? Um, yeah, I, I fully agree what you, you're, you want to not be surprised by the recording. You want to know like exactly Mm. what happened. Like when you, before you turn it on, this note was weird and this note was weird and you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's very true. Um, okay. Can you just like bullet point through like your career? Like what, what have you done? Where have you been?
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. So after leaving, New England Conservatory. I moved back to San Francisco, um, started freelancing there, just playing with some of the smaller regional orchestras. Okay. Um, and then maybe two years later, I got an artist residency at Banff. Okay. In, okay. In Canada. in Canada. Yeah. And while I was Lucky there... Lucky you. So beautiful. Yeah. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Amazing. And while I was there, I met a dancer okay. who was there with his, um, his own dance company from Montreal. Awesome. They were there working on a new piece. Cool. Um, we were standing in line together in the cafeteria, just started talking. Yeah. Uh, he was a dancer, I'm a cellist. And he yeah. said, oh, we should, you know. Collaborate on something. Because yeah. that's what every dancer and every musician who ever meets say, Oh, we should you know, do something. Yeah. And so I nodded and said, Yeah, yeah. sure. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah, of course, you know. And then the next day, um, he approached me and said, So I have an idea. Yeah. And we pitched the idea to Banff of coming back together for a residency. Cool. And creating a piece. Yeah. So um that's exactly what we did. And we then spent the next about two years touring the world wow. um, playing music of Benjamin Britten okay. and Alan Havanas. Okay. And um, it was awesome. That was super, super, yeah. super cool.
0: So what was it? It was, what was the instrumentation and, and how Schello many dancers? and dancer. Oh, just two. Just Amazing. two. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And you toured all over the world. Had you, had you been places before or was this kind of like a whole new...
1: Um, my youth orchestra had been to Europe. Yeah. Um, I had spent um, a few summers, and actually at that point was still spending summers in Spoleto, Italy. Okay. So I had been, you know, a few places. Why were
0: you spending summers in Italy?
1: Uh, Spoleto Festival. The okay. Really, um, uh, at, at the time, one of the really well-known... Okay. Summer music festivals. And
0: you, sorry, what ages were you when you were doing that? So
1: that was, hmm, that was nine, nineteen ninety-eight. so how old was I? 25, 26, 27, okay. 28, somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah,
0: Amazing. That had to have been like such such fodder for, yeah. for life. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't, I mean, so it didn't, it wasn't like, like, I feel like I've never been anywhere. So like suddenly going on a world tour would be, that mm. would be a, a big experience for it me. Was. Um, yeah. that it was really, really cool. cool. For me.
1: By far the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: And sorry, how old were you when you did that? Um,
1: 26. 728? Wow. Something like that. That's so
0: cool. Okay, then what happened? You finished the tour and, so then, that was and that. then what?
1: Um and then I started um taking some auditions. Okay. Um I got a job in the Honolulu Symphony. Cool. Which only lasted <laughs> was very short. It was not not a good fit. Uh-oh. And I ended up um leaving that that job um, out of complete immaturity on, yeah. on my own part. You I just, just, I was not you ready. ready. Okay. I was not ready for it. Yeah. And I made a bit of a fool of myself. It and, happens. And that's the story that, that, yeah. that's the way that ended. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, I was in back in San Francisco and, um, I took the audition for Utah symphony yeah. in 2003. Wow. And, um, yeah, and you've got a been, job here and I've been here
0: ever since. Ever since. Oh my gosh, um, what? How, how do you feel about being here?
1: I love it. Yeah, I love living in in Utah, Salt Lake City in particular. Yeah, um, it's incredible the amount of support for arts. Yeah, in a comparatively. Teeny, yeah, yeah. teeny, tiny population.
0: Yeah, you know it's weird because I, I sometimes feel a very different way, but I, I'm aware. I'm not from here, but I am aware that Salt Lake or Utah supports some of the arts
1: mm. a lot. Ooh, tell me more about <laughs> <Yeah>. that.
0: <laughs> well, like Utah does not support jazz. Ah. There, like, is nary a jazz venue in our entire state. Really. Really. Yeah. Um and I have a masters degree in jazz studies. I went to North Texas. Um and uh yeah, like there's I there's nowhere to play original jazz music here. Wow. Like there's 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 like the Excellence in the Community series, but mm-hmm. it's not a venue in the traditional sense. You know, it's a concert series. It's mm-hmm. not really a venue. Um yeah, there's there's kind of nowhere. Like if I wanted to go and play, like I just released an album in May. If I wanted to find a venue to, to play, it would be the kind of thing where like, I have to rent the venue, Mm -hmm. I have to pay the venue. Whereas there's, you know, like no one's paying me, you know? Um, or even if there's a place where you, like in plenty of cities, I think there are a lot of places where maybe like, maybe you're getting paid in drinks, but, Mm. um, but you have the, but you get to kind of test Mm -hmm. out your music in a live environment with people. And there is just, there is nothing like that here. Um, so, so kind I wonder,
1: of, so if we think of like classical music, Yeah, Utah, ballet, Utah
0: loves classical music. Well, what were you going to say about ballet?
1: That, that seems to also be well-supported yeah. here. So maybe it's the more just like it's traditional... Like,
0: totally. It's classical steeped music. Steeped
1: history <laughs> yeah, types
0: it's of art forms. Cl- classical art forms, like high art. High art is very supported here, mm. as is Broadway. Mm. Um, but yeah but I think like a lot of visual artists would probably have thoughts about this as well. Mm. Like, are there, are there, is there like a a cultural literacy for mm-hmm. visual art that mm-hmm. isn't just pretty? Mm. Um, I think maybe not. Yeah. And certainly like maybe anything that's like, avant-garde in any way Hmm. maybe like it's not it's not culturally a thing here maybe
1: this isn't the ideal place for that yeah but i can see that but
0: people i mean lds people really really love choir really love to support choir Mm -hmm. and really love to support orchestra Mm -hmm. maybe like a little bit less band like there also aren't like Hmm. there's not a lot of big band happening which is also jazz but it's different i don't know (laughs)
1: so maybe it's the it's the bigger more communal yeah um things i think
0: for sure choir and for sure orchestra yeah ballet maybe to a slightly lesser extent and then like people love broadway especially if it's like disney
1: you know, yeah. Disney Broadway. That's, that's <laughs> everyone everywhere. Yeah. Though, right? that's true. Yeah. That's
0: true. That's true. But if you think about like San Francisco, there's plenty of like little venues where you can see people doing like performance sure. art and like, there's yes. kind of no, there's no like sub art culture. It's very, very little
1: here. Yeah. There's plenty yeah. of fringe and avant-garde yeah. um, happening there for yeah. sure. And
0: in lots of big cities. Mm-hmm. And, and Salt Lake has, I think, very, very little of that. Yeah. Um, so you love playing. Okay. Okay. Here's what I want to talk about with you. I want to know now how you feel like I have several questions, but let's start with how do you feel about music? Like, what are your thoughts just about what music is, what it is to you? Mm. Uh, do you have favorite types of music? Um, what do you think it means for people? Like, just what are Mm. your thoughts about music?
1: Mm. Well, my thoughts about music are, are always changing. That's for sure. Just evolving as, as, as I get older and have different experiences. Yeah. Um, I think music is a way to communicate, um, for some people that's, I think like what you were saying, it's like in a, in a, in a choir, a communal experience, yeah. uh, something you're doing together. Um, for others, maybe it's on just a more personal level. Maybe the, the, the thing they're connecting with is just their soul. Yeah. That they're just recognizing what's in them, just all by themselves. And they yeah. don't even want to share that with anyone else. It's just totally private. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a communication to the divine yeah. To you know, the the bigger something thing, something bigger, yeah. Um, how does or it can feel? just be communication to an audience, right? That's there t- to listen.
0: That's such a beautiful experience uh, there in life. All kinds of
1: ways that we can you yeah. know connect through music.
0: How does it feel to you? Like, what do you think about it? Like, what do you all love of those about things. it? All
1: things, yeah. And at, at different times, maybe some are more prevalent than, than yeah. others. Um, the As time goes on, I'm seeing it more as a means to communicate with other people yeah uh, for a long time, performing for me i it was really nerve wracking yeah. i I really, really have suffered from stage fright, yeah because I think music was always actually just a private thing for me mm, mm-hmm. and so on the one hand, I wanted to perform, but on the other hand, I guess I really didn't.
0: Yeah, it's so relatable. I think so many musicians feel like that, hmm. don't you think? Because, like, when you're a child, music is 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 uh, just in terms of the hours in the day. It's private. Like mm-hmm. you're in your you're in your bedroom practicing. Mm-hmm. You're by yourself yes. listening. Um, and then maybe, you know, one hour a day, you're in your orchestra, like if that, you know, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but much more of the time it's something, especially if you're doing, you know, if you're a singer songwriter, like if, if music really is like a, it's just you, it's so, so private. Mm. (laughs) And then suddenly you're supposed to put it on stage in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and if we get back to. Also, as, as, as a young person, as a child, if performing, what goes along with that is praise, yeah. you know, the adults say, oh, that was so great. Oh, that was so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you transition and then now suddenly you're adult and you realize, well, there's also a lot of criticism that yeah. comes with performing. Like mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, an audition that you're going to win or fail or, you know, however it is in your mind. Yeah. So the critic turns on. Yeah. And that can that can really change yeah. the paradigm for us as performers if we're yeah. if we're letting that um hold us back and yeah, keep like us from be
0: involved. Like if that's if that's wrapping itself yeah. up in your art. Yeah. Have you ever felt um I, I always I, I often envy instrumentalists or, or certain types of instrumentalists maybe. Um, I mean, I think there are some exceptions, but I often en- envy instrumentalists for not having to have their bodies cri- criticized, mm-hmm. D- but, but nevertheless, have you ever felt like you as a physical being are nervous or uncomfortable on stage? Or is it more about just like the sounds you're going to make? Like, is Ooh, you, is the stage fright ever about like yourself being on the stage?
1: Yeah, but not the body, just yeah. the ego. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's what it's. Yeah. I I don't think there's. It's never any like reason people be... are
0: looking at me. It's more just like, people are listening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People are judging.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why
1: do I think people are judging? Because I'm judging. And
0: they're not judging like your hair. They're they're ju- no, they're they're no, not, not judging. About that. They're not judging your thighs. <laughs> Listen, Walter, <laughs> we're all a chicken thigh.
1: <laughs>
0: That's a callback for my like burgeoning comedy career
1: and t-shirt business <laughs>
0: yes and my t-shirt business
1: <laughs> i never said it
0: <laughs> we're all a chicken thigh it's so funny and what like what a perfect little sound bite um yeah so it's so it's 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 less it's not like a it's not it's not a, you you don't feel that kind of stage fright like about yourself as much as like
1: i haven't about
0: your skills but
1: i mean i'm also
0: there probably are female violinists and flautists who have felt that.
1: I mean, I'm a I'm a white guy.
0: Yeah, and you're tall, which is like what do I they say? Know. It's like a, it's one of the most like hireable traits, being <laughs> tall. <laughs> like, is that true? Yeah, it oh. is. It is. If you want to know more, read Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink.
1: I have not read that. Yeah, It's it's
0: really good. But yeah, it talks about, I'm not going to remember the numbers, but there's something crazy like, you know, men over six feet are like this percentage of the male population, but Mm. like a huge percentage of CEOs. Mm, It's like just the simple fact of being tall, like gives you credibility, like instantly.
1: I feel like this could go on a whole (laughs) tangent of like a completely different conversation
0: yeah well i mean i'm interested in all the things like i said it's these background things or like what are the things that you're dealing with and and i think i think for people who are short that's often a thing and probably for people who are tall it's less often a thing
1: well so let me tell you a story this actually just came up recently um with just the racial tension and unrest Mm. in this country right now yeah um when I was in undergrad at San Francisco Conservatory one of the other cellists in my studio um was a black woman. Yeah. And she said something to me one day about I don't even remember the context or how it came up, but she said something to the effect of, "Well, of course it's easy for you to perform cuz you're a white man." Mm. And I just had no idea what she was talking about. Never had I just, thought about it. it. Just, yeah. I just no clue. Yeah. And I was really offended, actually. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. do you, what do you mean? It's easy. Actually, yeah. it's not easy. I I just yeah. I didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. And for some reason that incident, like my I just sparked that memory of that incident very recently. Yeah. And I even got in touch with her to say, you know what, I just have to tell you. Yeah. You might not even remember that this happened. Yeah. But I now get it. Yeah. I understand what you were saying. Yeah. I had no clue at the moment, but yeah. right now I understand it. Yeah. And thank you for having said that. Because yeah. now I get to have this moment of realization that long, long ago before anyone was talking about white privilege. Yeah. We all had it. Yeah. We've always had it. Yeah. And now we're just finally getting a glimpse of what that means. That's beautiful. I love that this is happening.
0: Yeah. 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 I think you're probably right that like, it's not an instrumentalist thing per se. Like maybe it could be, but I bet, I bet if I had, you know, any number of various orchestra members who had a similar career path as you, there would be, there would be a percentage of people that would be like, yes, I totally feel out of place Mm. with my physical self on the stage. Totally, totally separate from my playing. Oh,
1: I bet you're right. Yeah. 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 I've never thought about that before.
0: Yeah. But that's not something that you felt. Um, geez. Okay. Let's just, let's do this. Okay, we're like, we're wrapping up here. Is there anything else that you want to talk about just in the conversation of what you'd like people to know about creativity or what you feel like you you know about it and is valuable to you? Creativity, art, and like the arts, music specifically. Like, just what kinds of thoughts, what are your soapbox things? Like, what do you like to talk about? Is there there anything you want to say?
1: Mm. Gosh, do I have a soapbox? It
0: could be anything, like anything. What What do you want people to know about, about what you know as an artist, as a musician?
1: Wow. I wouldn't say there are a whole lot of things that, that I can say, I know this yeah. for sure. I think yeah. that's always changing. <laughs> but I guess what I can say is this has been my experience. And so, um, for me, identity is, is a, is a big thing here. Um, when we're talking about how we label ourselves and, and others and, and being a musician, that's, that's my identity. Well, um, for me, it's been getting to a bigger source of identity, which is mm. spirit. Yeah, And when I started to be more aware of that and tap into that, then the artifice, yeah. to use the word, yeah. started to fall away. Yeah, And it led to actually a bit of a, um, not a midlife crisis, but a midlife awakening yeah. for sure of, okay, well, if my identity isn't in this, in Mm -hmm. playing the cello. Do I even want to? Yeah. Should I keep doing it? Or was it just something that served a certain purpose? And now I don't need that anymore. Yeah. So it led to a period of real uncertainty for me, just Mm -hmm. kind of going through the motions. I'd say I practiced, I did my job. Um, But it took a while to find why was I, if I was going to keep doing this, yeah. why? What, yeah. what do I get out of it? Um, what do I have to offer? What is, what is that about? And so it's become more and more for me, not about what I get out of it, but what I can give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So being on stage is a chance to give something yeah. to the listener as opposed to get an experience for myself. Amen. Cause I can get a private personal experience at home. Yeah. I could just be an amateur. I don't need to go out and do this in front of anyone right. else. Right. But if I see being a professional just to, you know, to use a, a, a term you, yeah. as it's, I'm not playing for myself. Right. I'm playing for others. Right. So then I better figure out why I'm playing for others. Right. So is the music particularly meaningful to me? Do mm-hmm. I have something to necessarily um, help shape this? Or is the music so great on its own that my job is to step aside, yeah. just get out of the way totally. and let it go. So it's about finding what, what is my role at any moment. Yes. So within the orchestra, yeah. what is my role at any given moment? Yeah. Is my line the most important thing? Am I a secondary line that's supporting a melody? Yeah. Am I merely providing rhythm? Am I just a color? Yeah. What is my role at any given moment? Yeah, that's that's what gives me. Uh, it's it's what interests me. Yeah, now it's not about okay. This is what I am. This is the instrument I play. Yeah, it's okay. Well, why? Yeah. Why at this moment? Yeah. And where does that fit into the bigger thing?
0: I really, I really, I know that, I know that, that question, like that, that every single moment question of like, what is the point of me at this moment? Mm. Like, what am I doing? And I I also feel very creative, like that feels creative to me. Like, Mm. I feel like, you know, again, I I write original music, but I'm, I'm, I'm frequently making money performing other people's music. I sing in like a wedding band, um, or, you know, I'm playing it, 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 I'm playing it at a bar and I'm playing, um, a lot of other people's music or I'm teaching other people's music, you know, whatever. Um, and sometimes that can, doesn't necessarily feel creative. You know, mm. it can, it can be very rote in the um,
1: moment. Yeah. 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 And
0: so having that thought of like, what am I doing right now? What am I contributing right now? Feel really lights me up mm. even down to like minutia, like maybe it's my job. Like I, like, you know, I played, I played a wedding in Idaho last weekend and, um, I was, I got, I was invited to play in the ceremony, which lots of times they don't have a vocalist in the ceremony, but it was a, me and a guitar player. And, um, I always feel it such a privilege to be as a singer involved in the ceremony. Mm. Um, and it was outdoors and it was very windy and like, you know, just in the moment, like if the guitar player's music, like page turns, <laughs> like feeling like my role right now is to like clip, you know, the, the clothes pin back on his page and like that that type of like awareness Hmm. feels very creative to me. Even Hmm. if I'm not doing anything, even if Hmm. I'm not actually doing anything, just kind of thinking like, what could I be helping with? Like where could, what could I be doing or not doing Mm -hmm. that will contribute most to like the service of making music. And I, I feel so the same way. Like I used to struggle with stage fright a lot. And the biggest antidote to that for me is remembering we're in the service business. Like, Hmm. this is not about me. This Hmm. is about like providing these listeners with an experience. Hmm. Um, And, and even in rehearsal, I feel like it's not about me in rehearsal. It's about providing like us with an experience, like us as the band, us as the choir, um, us as like conductor and ensemble, um, feeling like moved, feeling Mm. something, feeling growth, feeling community, um, and getting, getting lost in that kind of, like, what is my piece in this? Mm. It's really beautiful feeling.
1: Mm. Um, it's so great that you get that.
0: Yeah. But I think, like I said, I mean, that was something that like, it bulbed for me as such a little kid. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just must just be like a something in my personality, but, mm-hmm. and I think that's another reason why I like talking to artists. Um, because I think I believe the same thing about like our community at large, yes. you know,
1: like, absolutely. I feel
0: like it's such a beautiful analogy. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to, do you have thoughts about that?
1: Um, just even as a, as a teacher, I'm, I'm, teaching the cello, but that's not really what it's about. It's a skill set that you can apply to anything right in life. Right. Um you're
0: teaching people to think and to feel and to listen and to have ownership. Yeah.
1: mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To problem solve. Yeah. To um know yeah what their self awareness is. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, maybe like related to that, what do you think, like classical music, what part does classical music in particular or like large orchestra music, what does it, what part does it play like in our society and in our world? Why does it, Mm. why is it valuable?
1: Well, I guess I would say, I mean, any music is valuable because it's something communal. Yeah. Um, Classical music, I mean, what we call classical music or concert music, whatever term we want to use. If you're
0: wearing a tuxedo while you're doing it, it means something. Oh, don't
1: get me started on that. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of the tuxedo thing. Sorry, Especially I tails. interrupted you.
0: I mean, yeah. like, who wears tails? What's the point of the tails? You must
1: be a musician yeah. or a butler, right? <laughs> <Or> I mean, <laughs> or the butler. I don't I think know.
0: butlers probably don't wear those kinds of things anymore. No, they probably don't either. They're yeah. like
1: streamlined. Maybe on Halloween, if you want to go as a butler, yeah, <laughs> yeah you put on. You call up your musician friend and borrow their tails. Right, and carry or if you're, a, silver tray. if you're
0: a butler in a haunted mansion,
1: there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> that the was of my role fault. Of yeah, classical music. <laughs> um, yeah i think the the two things one is just the art form itself yeah i mean we can all appreciate great art yeah um that's why we have museums so that everyone can go and visit this great art yeah. music doesn't exist in a physical thing it's not something that's created it's permanent that's done it has yeah. to be recreated and recreated yeah. just like um you know drama, Dance, uh, uh, comedy, same, yeah. same thing. Um, so one is just the appreciation of great yeah. art. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anybody that's going to argue that a Beethoven symphony is not my great mind blowing my, art. Pa-
0: my parents would argue.
1: Oh really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, this is part of why I'm interested in this question. Uh, I, uh, you, I don't want to interrupt you. Do you no, want to, okay. Um, it, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. My, my mom died a couple of years ago. So when I say parents, I really mean my dad, but mm. um, my mask ear loop is coming off. Um, my parents feel and felt like art is entertainment and any art mm. that is not entertainment is not, it's just, it's either entertainment or it's trying to be and failing. And I never was taken or it's to trying the, to be what and failing like it's trying to be entertainment oh. and failing. like if it's oh, not entertaining me, it's like they have an an assumption that art is trying to entertain them.
3: Wow. yeah.
0: and I never went to the Symphony as a child. My parents had money, and we went to see Broadway.
3: Mm-hmm. We,
0: we saw a lot of Broadway shows, mm-hmm. which I'm really grateful for, and it got really good seats to great Broadway shows, um, but they're very entertaining sure sure and i never went to the symphony until i was in college and and even then you know it's that's different when you're at the university i never went to like a professional symphony i mean i think until i was I had a master's degree in music wow um and i never went to the opera um yeah because i think you know my parents there's a and i know that it's not just my parents like there's mm. definitely mm-hmm. a whole a whole subset of the country that mm. that i think thinks that uh that mu- that art forms that are not entertaining are just failing at being entertaining
1: how interesting yeah which wow. is why i
0: like to hear from someone who plays a, a, a who does an art form whose job isn't entertainment Right, um, to talk about why it's valuable
1: well i I mean, I don't know. maybe how one defines entertaining is totally. different, so totally uh, yeah entertainment, you know, what we appreciate well, um, I think it has
0: something to do with wh- whether it's challenging, you know, like some like being entertained can be like a very passive thing.
1: Ah yes, yeah, I see what you mean, yeah, uh-huh. So you just sit back. You don't do any work. Yeah. You're just entertained. Yeah. So you get to just kind of numb out for a couple hours while this big show happens Mm -hmm. you're entertained. Mm -hmm. I see. Versus um, a painting that you have to open your mind and start looking for things In, in it.
0: In order to really experience it like as it's meant to be Uh experienced you have to pay attention you have to like invest right Right. or or maybe depending on the art form like jazz is a great example you have to know you have to have some education before you can even Hmm. you have to kind of understand which part is improvised and which part is not Hmm. before you even can Hmm. understand what Uh you're seeing and i and i think i think the, the symphony can be like that too. I mean, certainly you could Absolutely. listen passively, but knowing more about what's challenging to the musicians, yeah, and appreciating what they're doing, you can be much more entertained, understanding like what it is that you're beholding,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which requires you as the listener to know some things.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. I think you said it perfectly. Um, Whether you're going to be a passive participant or an active participant in it is whether it will be entertaining or not. So it sounds like a great argument for arts education, because I I don't think anybody is incapable of appreciating great art. It's just what you said. If if you don't have any exposure to it and you just don't know what you're looking at or what you're listening to, and you don't even know what questions to ask or how to even approach it. Yeah. Then, yeah, it would just seem like, well, why on earth would I waste my time totally doing that?
0: Unless you have a philosophy. I mean, because, you know, I've had these conversations with my dad a lot. <laughs> 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 and I don't think he gets it. I think he really thinks like, why should I do that? Yeah. Like, what's, why?
1: why? Well, did he have any exposure to that in, in his... Yeah. Childhood. I think so. And it just didn't he click just for him. And so care. he thought, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. Yeah.
0: Isn't that, isn't it? I don't know. It's something that I I do. I think about it a lot. Like, cause I do think, here's what it is. I think my dad, who I think is like a, a stand in for plenty of Americans mm. and probably plenty of people in the mm-hmm. world. The fact that he doesn't understand that art that isn't entertaining can really be something that's not just valuable in the abstract, but really, really actionably valuable in your body, mm-hmm. in your mind, in your family, in your community. Um, I think it's a lack of creativity. I think it's a lack of creative thinking. It's a lack of an ability to to think like critically about what these things could mean. And when that ability is lacking, it affects also your ability to communicate with your neighbors and to communicate with people who are in a different socioeconomic status, uh, et cetera, et cetera, beyond, beyond, beyond. Interesting. And I think the thing that we do as artists, I think all, all of us as artists do it, um, These creative thoughts about why does this mean something? What are we doing? Like shifting, having a regular experience of shifting a perspective, shifting a paradigm. It primes us, hopefully, to be able to do that with people, Mm -hmm. to do that across generations, Mm -hmm. um, across language barriers. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that skill, it's a tragedy and a disaster. So that's that's the ultimately that's the reason why I do this podcast because mm. I want to hear from creative people like what does that feel like to mm. you you know because I think maybe we learn something about how can we apply those same kinds of thinking to stuff that is not in the arts at right. all right right
1: yeah. Well I guess we're not all chicken thighs are we <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Some it's just of us weirdo are a chicken that wing. Are the chicken yeah. oh my gosh i love it <laughs> I don't know i mean yeah. i I still wonder though if it's a i mean you said it was maybe a lack of creativity, maybe it's just something different yeah. i I don't know the answer yeah. to that that i mean i'm I, that yeah. that's really I wish fascinating I, to hear wish you put it. it that way yeah. um but i mean certainly the more. The more we can relate to one other person, yeah. the better we can relate to many people, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if we can look at a painting and put ourselves in the artist's shoes, what are what are they saying? Why did they use that yeah. color? Right. Then you're exactly right. Then we can look at someone from another culture right. and we don't just say, I don't get that. Yeah. We can stop like, and say, hmm, okay. I, I understand, I see why yeah. they are doing this, why they act this way. I mean, whatever it is that we might totally. not understand about that yeah. other culture, that we can just look at it and just, hmm, let, me, yeah. let me just ponder this for a little totally. while. So maybe the arts help us, you know, expand that part of our, of yeah. our mind. I think so. That help us relate to yeah. people as or well. Or even
0: just like the physical experience of, yeah, like watching how many people are in an orchestra like 40 more <laughs> No, 80 to 100 usually. yeah yeah look how wrong i am about that <laughs> um i'm thinking of like a big band is 18 and then i'm like 40 seems like a lot more than yeah. that <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah watching that many people make one thing together and just mm-hmm. knowing like all those are different people they're mm-hmm. all different ages like look at all these people mm-hmm. and then every single person in the audience experiencing something together. Like there is a value simply just in that, like Mm -hmm. in like just the simple fact of like, we are a room of now 700, 800 people who are all doing something together. We're all committing to be quiet and then we're committing to clap and we're committing to listen, you Mm -hmm. know, like there's just, there's something like so important about it.
1: (laughs) And I wonder if, now here we are um, in this COVID-19 pandemic yeah, yeah. and that's something that we have not been able to do as a society yeah. we haven't been able to come together yeah. so I wonder if that lack of our um, community and our communal interactions I wonder if that's eating away at something that's, so. that's you know causing more turmoil and underlying unrest yeah. because that's a f- basic human need that we have that isn't being fulfilled.
0: Yeah I think you're right like a f- like, like, there's something about a physical space sharing mm-hmm. a physical space yeah. that really is something
1: Yeah I mean you yeah. can watch something online even that's happening live mm-hmm. and you can even see other people commenting at the time and there's a certain sense of community that can yeah. come to, from that but being physically present in the space yeah. together Yeah that's that, that can't be well haven't they,
0: haven't they done like studies that like people's heart rates will kind of like mm. you know like there are like physical like physiological things where like people in a room will kind of change like your actual body chemistry will Uh like
1: adjust yeah isn't that fascinating
0: it is I I love it and I love doing it like this too like I I I try not to do this podcast virtually because the conversation I want to have is so whatever it is yeah you know and there's something about being in a physical space and like really beholding how someone is fidgeting or how someone is breathing right
1: because we don't just communicate with our voice it's our 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 eyes, our yeah. facial expressions, our, our body. Yeah. We communicate with so much more. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's and it's valuable and it's something that during the the first two or three months of the pandemic I didn't do any live interviews. And luckily mm. I had a huge cash. You know, I've been like hoarding. I've been hoarding interviews. <laughs> so it worked okay, but I really missed it. And when I mm. first when I had my first um live interview, I had a hard time like not crying during like mm. the whole thing because I felt so like uh,
1: like, you've been missing it yeah, so much yeah
0: yeah oh my gosh thank you so much for talking to me this has been oh, so it's nice my pleasure. um i always wrap up with two questions and the first of the questions is what's your dream collaboration and it, you can be as extravagant Ooh. or as whatever you want you can call upon someone who's no longer living
1: my dream collaboration gosh you know i'll go back to my experience um Working with this dancer Jose yeah. Navas, that was that was that was so meaningful because it was collaborating across, across art medium. forms. I know, and it's I love beautiful. that. Yeah. Um, I'm also involved in a um, a group in Santa Fe called Montage Music, cool. and their mission is um, um, performing art that's in, performing music that is inspired by visual cool. art. Cool. So whether it's, um, you know, old composers who were looking at, you know, a piece of art or commissioning new art and then a commissioning a composer to write a piece cool based on that art yeah. or with that artist. Yeah. So I like that idea of, yeah. you know, cross yeah. uh, pollinating M- of, of all of the art yeah. forms and whether it's, I, I love that about opera yeah. um, and ballet, that it's music and Yeah. So I like the and part uh, of it. Me too. But
0: so something like that. Yeah. Can I tell you a th- uh, can I tell you a thing? Yeah. Um I, so I released this album in May and uh, I hired an illustrator to draw an adult coloring book page for to represent every song on the album.
3: Oh wow. Which
0: I love for that exact same reason. And the listener also gets to it's like an and and and. Uh-huh. Like it's my music and her illustrations and listener, you know, f- regular people coloring. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's
1: fantastic.
3: Yeah. The,
0: I, yeah, I'm so with you on that. I feel so dramatically the same way, um, <laughs> which again is why, like I interview all mediums and mm. like, you know, I, I want to talk to a, a tattoo artist and I want to talk to you and I want to talk to anybody who does art. Um, Cause I feel so moved by like the fact that these things exist and the, you know, yeah, I'm so into it. Um, well, you
1: have to put me in touch with the tattoo artist because now I need a tattoo of a chicken thigh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: be just a t-shirt we'll be fine <laughs>
1: you know i'm gonna go with that <laughs>
0: <laughs> i think a t-shirt i mean maybe a mask maybe you could put you chicken go. thighs all over your mask i don't know what kind of a just message right
1: that would <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know what kind of a message that would convey about you but something um and then i ask everybody finally tell us where to find your work like where can we listen to you are there videos of your collaboration with jose Navarro?
1: um jose navas. navas you know navas. we there was actually a documentary that really? was made on us yeah. called perpetual motion. Um, I don't know if it's available or not, but if you Googled it, you could okay. find it, you know, it exists I'll there somewhere in the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Utah symphony, we're in a Bravano hall every single weekend. Okay. Um, if we're not there, it's because we're either at Capitol theater doing opera or we're touring around the state, um, doing education concerts or, yeah. or just, you know, regular tours. Um, in the summers, I'm actually, um, principal cellist of the Grant Park Music Festival. So I'm in Chicago for 10 weeks on the stage of the Pritzker Pavilion in Grant Park. That's great. Um, in Santa Fe, montage music. Um,
0: you do so many things. I love that. Um, what about if somebody like wants to reach you? Do you have like a website or like Instagram
1: or... I need a website apparently. Yeah. Somebody was just, I was talking about that the other day. It just had never occurred to me. I thought like, why, I don't know. Why do I need a website? I don't know. And it was exactly that. Was yeah. Like, well, what if somebody, somebody wants to talk just, to you? It's just like looking for yeah. you or looking up cello teachers, like who teaches cello? Like, yeah. How would they find you? I thought, well, I don't know. Don't they just find us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so ignorant. Well, no, oh, I don't goodness. know
0: that you're wrong though, because <laughs> I think uh, like the way that someone finds you is like, they contact someone to, utah state and say who teaches cello
3: sure that's yeah. probably it but yeah.
0: but um but on the web on the note of the website i built <laughs> mine and if you need a pep talk with that stuff i'm so ready okay <laughs> so like we can talk i can give you some tips um walter thank you so so oh, much It's
1: been my pleasure it
0: has been mine <laughs> thank, thank you. you so
1: much for inviting me
0: <laughs> thank you for coming thanks for listening to artifice our theme song is as you are from my album masks with artwork and merch designs by sarah keel and ad segment music by jerem hansen if you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast please send me a note through my website emvocals.com. and don't forget to rate review and subscribe thanks again have a great week